Coming up in just a little bit, we are going to talk with the uh, co-founder of Social Works, that's uh, Chance the Rapper's Charity Foundation, and also the uh, founder and owner of Passion House Coffee. They have gone into a partnership with something that is uh, very interesting for a great cause, so we will talk to them. We are also going to talk to our friends from the Illinois Craft Beer Found Federation because FOBAB, the Festival of Barrel-Aged Beer is coming up, so we'll find out all about that and how you can go enjoy that. We'll also talk about a fundraiser that I am going to be a part of, and, oh my goodness, if you are a rideshare rider, you could be paying a lot more if you are in the city. So a lot to get to, uh, but first, welcome back, Cody. It is good to uh, good to be here. We haven't, uh, we haven't been here in a month. Some new things happening at WGN, some uh, new football games being played on Sundays, and so uh, the schedule is a little bit strange, but uh, as you know, People can uh, stay up to date with us on the Facebook page. We always update them what's going on there. But how are you? It's been a long time. You look the same. You got a haircut. You look very nice. Hold on. Where are you? There you are. You, did you forget how to turn your mic on? Yeah. In all I, this time? No, I was going to say, I don't think anything's changed in the last month at WGN Radio. <laughs> can't think of a can't think of a single thing. Listen, people know you. We don't have to. We're not. We're, I'm not. We're not making judgments. We're just addressing. Yes, because people say, "Where are you?" Well, some changes, and so that's why we haven't been around on Sunday. But we're here today. Uh, I will. I will address this quickly because I've been getting a lot of questions on Facebook uh, about my feet. People have seen that I've had surgery on both my feet uh, lately. Within the last two weeks, I've had it on both feet for uh, hammer toes. And I know there's a lot. See, it's funny because once I once I came out as a man with hammer toes, Cody, I've heard from a lot of people who have had this same surgery. So uh, there are a lot of people who empathize with me. They know, and now I empathize with them about what it's like. Uh, it's been strange up until Wednesday. I was wearing one sandal because I had only had one shoe done, uh, one sandal and one shoe, which is an odd look. Uh, Drew a lot of, uh, when I was substitute teaching, it drew a lot of questions from the first graders who really don't observe anything else. You could set something on fire in front of them and they would have no idea. But I walked in the first day with a sandal and a shoe and you would have thought their world had been rocked to its core. So uh, for all those of you who are asking, thank you. Things are going well. Uh, the second one's a little bit sore, but says now I'm in two sandals, so I look like a German tourist as I walk around town. I've got my Tevas on with socks, which, uh, if you know me, you know is uh, an anathema to everything that I believe in. I this is It's driving me crazy to wear a sandal and socks, but trust me, uh, you don't want me walking around with these bandaged doggies hanging out without any socks on. So so that is that. So thanks for asking. Uh, I will be fine pretty soon, Cody. Oh, man, I'll be able to run. Uh, no, I won't. I couldn't run before I had the surgery. Why would I? They didn't put on bionic feet. I didn't get those springs like that uh, That runner uh, who had Inspector the... Inspector Gadget? No, the, the guy who was... The Olympic guy who was on the blades who got accused of killing his girlfriend. That guy, the Australian runner. Bolt? No. No, the Australian guy. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, that guy, the guy with the blades. Anyway, uh, so I won't be doing that. My only worry is that it is Halloween season and that some monster will try to attack me and I won't be able to flee. I'll be like every uh, everybody in a horror movie. I'll probably trip, fall down. I'll just roll around crying. Oh, no, that's, uh, don't get me. Please don't get me. All right, but let's talk about this is... Uh, if you have children in the Chicago public school system, you're you're looking up that name. I see you looking hard. I'm frantically looking at Oscar Pistorius. Oscar Pistorius is the guy. I yeah, they didn't they didn't give me blades a la Pistorius. I still have my same old feet uh, underneath my same old body. But so I won't be. It's not like I'm going to be sprinting anywhere soon. But uh, the thought of putting shoes on again in early November is very enticing. 
Can't wait. Can't wait. All right, so if you have kids in CPS, you know uh, the strike continues tomorrow. CPS teachers and support staff on strike. This will be the third day of classes that has been canceled. A couple things I'm wondering from you. I want to hear from you if you are a parent of CPS, because I'm wondering as a parent where your sympathies lie. I always tend to side with the teachers. As having come from a family of educators, my mom was a CPS teacher, my dad was a CPS principal. Um, I understand the inner workings of that of that life, and it's uh, you know it's not a great life. It's a life now before people. Are, well, listen, that's the life they chose. Yes, teachers teachers did choose that as their profession. So, the strike is happening. Somebody asked me this the other day, and it's an interesting question. How do you tell your kids that the teachers are on strike? Because teachers, you know, when a kid goes to school, the teachers are the people that they feel safe around. They know the teachers are supposed to care about them. The teachers are there not only to educate them, but to be a sounding board, sometimes to be a confidant, just to to give a sense of every of security, basically. Everything's going to be all right. You know, that's why they tell teachers don't get so excited at um, Christmas break or summer break, because a lot of the kids school is the only place they have to go. School is where they get their breakfast and lunch. School is where there's continuity. School is where there are adults that are there all the time. So you're not supposed to get all excited because some of these kids get very anxious around vacation time. And that's that's got to be happening now, too, because you don't know as a kid what this means. So if you are a CPS parent, how did you tell your kids, how do you explain to them why they're not going to school? Now, granted, if if your child is in kindergarten or first grade, obviously, you're not going to tell them the same kind of thing that if your kid is in junior high school or high school. Because if your child is in high school, they know their extracurriculars are canceled. They know if they're on a sports team Boy, the games are canceled, and if you're if you're a junior or senior and you're trying to uh, you know secure a scholarship or you're trying to get your testing done to get to get your applications in for college, this is a bad time for your teachers to go on strike. So how do you how do you explain that to them? So you know here's here's some of the things we know. We know that as as with any strike, the teachers want more pay. Now the 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 city has given them something. They've They've given them a. They've offered a 16% base pay raise over five years. The teachers union it wants 15% over three years, um, because if you look at just the numbers, the 16%, some other costs associated with that have gone up. Uh, healthcare costs have gone up, so you're not really the teachers aren't really getting 16%. Now, listen, I know if you're paying for your own healthcare, which most of us do or you're paying into your company health care, it's, it's hard to drum up sympathy and say, well, listen, I, I pay for mine. Why shouldn't the teachers pay for theirs? Well, they're not saying they shouldn't pay for theirs. What they're saying is, if you're going to raise our cost of health care, okay, but then you can't say you're giving us this much of a raise because you're really not. Our, our raise, part of our raise, is going to cover the increase. Okay, they also want staffing. Uh, if you haven't been in a school in a long time, you know, you probably don't know, there's not a nurse. You know, back when we were in school, there was a nurse in every building. There's not a nurse in every CPS building. Um, there's not a librarian in every CPS building. And I know some suburbs 
don't have librarians in their buildings all the time either. But a lot of more affluent districts, they don't have to worry about these kind of things. There's also not, uh, they want more social workers and more special ed classrooms. And you would think that these would be no-brainers because the amount of students who need these services is increasing. So you would think that the, the teachers would go from there. 312-981-7200. We move into our third day. The, uh, the union kind of chastised the mayor for preemptively canceling classes tomorrow, but then came out in an email and said, yeah, you know what, uh, she did it a little early, but we're so far away that there's no way an agreement is being reached on Sunday. Uh, we, of course, here at WGN are keeping a watch on that. So if anything changes as the talks progress, the talks started again this morning at 11 o'clock. So... Nothing nothing really has changed. But, again, if you're a CPS teacher, I want to hear from you. If you're a CPS parent, I want to know what you're doing with your kids now that they don't have school again, how you're making those arrangements, and what you're doing to explain. And I also think it's nice that the, the strikes are not as violent as they used to be, and I will talk a little bit about that, too. We'll get to all of it and more on the other side. It's 720 WGN. All right, Brian Noonan, 720 WGN. We're talking about the uh, teacher strike against the Chicago public school system, the sports staff on strike as well. Tomorrow is the third day. Hey, let me tell you this, though. Make Sundays your official night to tour the city. Watch Chicago's Best at 10 p.m. Then stick around for the latest in shopping, entertainment, and events on C Chicago, 10.30 p.m. WGN-TV. 312-981-7200. Wanting to know from you where your sympathies lie. Do they uh, do they lie with the teachers? Are you uh, Are you siding with the city going listen we we do our best we do our best and uh, the teachers know what they're getting into and that's that also if you are a cps parent what are you telling your kids the younger kids they, they don't quite understand do the older kids understand somebody texted in saying hey do people know that teachers don't pay into social security that is true most teachers do not pay into social security however they also do not get benefits from social security so it's uh, they they pay into their pension and they get their pensions and that's that. So that is a common that is a common argument and a common misconception. There are 15 states in the District of Columbia where teachers do not pay into Social Security. Illinois is one of them, uh, but then they do not receive benefits. So I think that's fair. You don't pay in, you don't get your benefits, you get your pension, and they pay in they pay into that. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Ginger's been hanging on. Hi, Ginger. Hello. Hi, Ginger. Hi, how are you today? I'm well. What do you think of this? Well, you just brought up a, a really sore subject with me. I taught for 33 years before I retired. And uh, the Social Security thing, I have enough points to receive Social Security because of, I was working plus teaching. Okay. In, in my years before teaching. But you still can't get them. Oh, okay. So even though, even though I've got the points, and then when I got divorced, the divorcees get so much from their exes. Right. I couldn't get, they would give it to me, but they would take it out of my Oh, they'd take pension. it out of your teacher pension. Yeah, see, I didn't, I didn't know that. I, I assume a lot of people don't know that. That's a, it's a tricky situation. So what's a, what works out better, your pension or Social Security? Oh, I think we lost Ginger, Cody. Well, I'll put her on hold. You can see uh, see if she's still there. Shy is in Lansing. Hi, Shy. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Sure. So my question is, or I, I just want to make a comment, actually. So 
I don't disagree with the teachers. I'm a product of the Chicago public school system as well and went on to fortunately go to Northwestern. But my question is, they complain about the fact that there are not enough teachers to staff and the ratio is too high from um, the one teacher to the pupils and then the nursing staff as well and ancillary services. Would they agree to a lesser salary raise and have the mayor agree to something where she does increase the um, teachers' increases or hires more nurses and whatever staffing needs that there need to be, like you mentioned, librarians. They're asking for a 15% raise, if I'm not mistaken. So is there some sort of compromise that they can come up with? Well, they're asking for 15% over three years, but that does... That doesn't take into account the fact that uh, their health care costs and some other costs are going up. So they're not, they're not truly getting that 5% a year. Uh, I don't know. That's something for the union and the, uh, and the mayor to try to hammer out. If there's, I, every, every negotiation is about compromise. So I'm sure, I'm sure both sides are coming to the table. I can guarantee you, just like, just like anybody else, nobody is going to agree to a pay cut. Uh, you know, no, so, I agree. So, I, I agree myself. I wouldn't want right, to pay exactly. cut either. I'm not gonna, However... Uh, however, I'm sorry. Yeah. Their main uh, when they you know are talking to the media and all that, um, having rallies and stuff, they're they're always saying about uh, classroom size and nurses and, and and librarians, and you know if, if they get that. No one's asking them to take a pay cut, but there's some negotiation because eventually well, they're, they're going to have to. They're going to have to. They're going to have to figure some sort of negotiation. But you've got to have, you know, a building without a nurse is is dangerous. Building without social workers or special ed teachers in this day and age is irresponsible. You can't, you know, if you're if you've got one nurse who's covering three or four schools, if something happens, you better hope somebody else on the staff is is trained in that sort of, uh, you know, in that sort of first aid or emergency situation. Shy, I appreciate the call. Thanks very much. Uh, we're going to take, we're going to, uh, all right, Ginger is back. Let's see. Ginger, you're back. Yes. All right, we got about a minute. Oh, gosh, I could go on for half an hour. Uh, only anyway, <laughs> um, my main thing, main reason to call in, I mean, I could go on about the nurses and responsibilities or this or raises when i was teaching i was lucky i got a three percent raise and then they uh upped our health insurance payments right which took away the three percent but anyway what i was calling about is sympathizing with the athletes i was a gym teacher when i started many years ago so i know the importance of it i know the pressures for kids to get into college using their athletic ability however the scouts have been out they know who's good. They know who's not so good. So if they miss a couple games, it's not going to kill them. But the parents also should have been proactive, and they should already have tapes of their kids playing. Yeah. Those tapes are very important to send into the school. So these couple games that the kids are losing out on, you know, it's hard. I get it. But it, it shouldn't should. ruin their scholarship. Well, let's hope. Uh, opportunities. Let's hope. Ginger, thanks again for the call. Uh, it's nice to see everybody kind of keeping things above board. I remember when my uh, when there was a strike, when my mom was on strike, and my dad was a principal. He came home once, and uh, the teachers had smeared grease all over our car and broken off the antenna. 
because they were, uh, for some reason, they were blaming the administration for all their strife. Now, teachers that I've talked to now during this strike, uh, they realize, listen, it's not it's not the administration's fault, the day-to-day administration, administration. It's not your school principal that is is the one who is causing this. This is a this is an argument between the city, the board of education, and uh, the teachers' union. So you know, I'm glad I'm glad to at least see there isn't things are things are being done in a rational manner. All right, news after this seven twenty WGN. Brian Noonan seven twenty WGN. Yes, we are back until five thirty in this Blackhawks hockey on seven twenty WGN. All right, this is. Uh, I, I drink about a co- pot of coffee a day uh, because, I don't know, just because I like coffee and I need that boost. But my coffee isn't really doing anything to help the community. That's that's a thing. I just drink coffee and it only helps me. And, well, it's time for us to uh, maybe drink some coffee that could help the community. Justin Cunningham is here. He is the co-founder of Social Works. Social Works is Chance the Rapper's youth empowerment charity. And Joshua Millman is also here. He is the founder and owner of Passion House Coffee. Welcome, gentlemen. Glad you're here. Thanks for coming in. Hey, thanks for having us. Nice to be here. So we will get into the partnership that brings you guys here together, but... Uh, Justin, tell everybody, for people who aren't familiar with Social Works, what does Social Works do? Yeah, definitely. So Social Works is a Chicago youth empowerment charity founded by Chance the Rappers, Chicago's own, and we empower the youth through arts, education, and civic engagement. But what does that look like? Yeah. What it looks like for, for Chicagoans looks like five different initiatives that span from education, like our new Chance Fund. It spans from open mic, monthly open mics for high school students, a summer day camp program, warmest winter, where we... Uh, uh, feed the homeless and provide direct supports for the homeless as well as uh, my state of mind so a whole lot of uh, human-centered programs that leverage the community and uh, and activate people in positive ways how long has the uh, foundation been been active social works has been active for three years our birthday is uh august august 10th 2016 so just over three years now very nice now one of the things that that um really struck me is the my state of mind because you know, we hear a lot about mental health issues. We hear a lot about people having access to that kind of thing. And it's not its not just adults. It is young people, who, too, who are affected by this. Exactly. And that's why my state of mind is so important. You know, when you talk about um, the, the, the barriers that might be for practitioners, whether it's, you know, paying $60 a month to get your SEO up so you can better advertise to people, or maybe for consumers when they're forced to put these complex emotions into an emoji smiley face. Are you, are you a happy <laughs> face or are you a sad face today? It you boils know? it all down. It's, it's exactly. And it's just like we know as humans, as as we live our lives, we're really more complex and, the, and we want it to provide people a space where they can champion the things that they already love you know dogs art uh karate you know movement-based therapies creative therapies and that's what my state of mind is holistic wellness for all and you don't have to tell anybody that you're depressed or stressed you know you can champion the things that you love about yourself and then that can be an avenue for wellness is it easier to get kids to to participate in something like that where it's you know, you're not using the you're not using the labels that maybe would keep them from sharing that. You know, sharing their feelings. If we go, well, I'm not depressed. I don't want to. I don't want people to think I'm depressed. But oh well, now I have a different channel to to get that out, and nobody's going to. There's not going to be any stigma of a label. 
Exactly. And and that's all throughout our programming with social works. A great example is open mic where we don't say, hey, all rappers come through. <laughs> it's say, get on stage and share your talent. And what we've seen is PowerPoint presentations, fashion designers coming in from their um, fashion class, you know, tap dancers, bird callers, pianists, <laughs> instruments, all types of instruments. So, you know, it, it, when you provide that door and, and that 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 freedom, you know, people come and they they show you what you got. And how did you how did you and Chance get together to found Social Work? Well, it was founded by Chancellor Rapper, uh, my good friend Chancellor Bennett, uh, myself, and Essen Smith, and we've known each other uh, since high school, actually. Oh wow! So we've been Very together, nice. living in Chicago, experiencing things all throughout life that helped uh, really create the uh, charity that we wanted to see when we were younger. Was there uh, was there one? I'm guessing there wasn't one issue that you guys were all together and said, "This is the one. Th- this is why we need to start a foundation." There there had to be a lot of different things that went into the three of you coming together and saying, "These are things that we need to address." Exactly, and you and you get that from just growing up in Chicago. You know, from seeing the makeup, for seeing what's going on right now, that the housing and people getting displaced all over. You know, there's a lot of issues that we know as Chicagoans um, we need to tackle, and we need to tackle them in. in new progressive collaborative ways and that's what social works is here to do well we're gonna we're gonna talk more about the programs with social works but i gotta i gotta talk to joshua he is the the founder and owner of passion house coffee now uh, first of all how long what, how did coffee come about how did you become how did you become a guy who now owns a coffee company that's well, a great question well that's why i'm here i asked <laughs> well, the good questions <laughs> uh, i've been in coffee since i was 16 really yep when i was younger i was into the beat generation jack kerouac Allen ginsburg and they were always discussing life and pushing boundaries in a right. coffee shop and i was like man that's pretty coffee, cool the coffee shop's wa- the place to be yeah i want to be in a setting like that <laughs> yeah so i got my first job in glenview at starbucks and Literally, a place known for its beat, uh, its beat poets and uh, yes, hipster for, lifestyle. Back then, <laughs> this is a long time ago. I'm old man. <laughs> the uh, but yeah, it, honestly, it was I, I. I just fell in love with be having this creative like um, uh, culinary aspect to it, and then I love being of service and putting those two together were just like knocked me over my head. I became very passionate about it. Well, explain to people who weren't familiar with Passion House how how you bring the culinary and the service together. Sure. So Passion House started in 2011. Uh, we've been around for eight years, and recently we just started getting into the retail game. So we have a cafe in Logan Square, a cafe in Palatin Row in the West Loop, and then a brand new one on Goose Island, which is just gorgeous. And really what we do is we source the globe. We go all over the world trying to find the best coffees for you out there. And what that has to do is is taste, right? So yeah. I'm not good at much, but one thing I can do is taste. Um, like my wife hates going out to dinner with me. Um, <laughs> did, did you did you always have like advanced taste buds, or is it just coffee? Is it does it translate into everything? Yeah, well, coffee is the most complex beverage. It has over 800 compounds in it versus like red wine that has like 500. Really? Yeah. So yeah, I've tasted that. a lot of sommeliers on coffee, <laughs> and it's really interesting to see. Oh wow, that's wild. So how did when did you realize that uh, was it before you were sixteen that you knew you had this this talent to go I can taste the the minor complexities in the no that's like um, because that sound doesn't that sound kind of highfalutin well, oh yes do you have your pinky out when you're tasting it's <laughs> it's amazing because I I drink coffee and I can tell if I like it or I don't that's about right. as advanced that's as, all that really <laughs> matters right yeah. it's just a matter of whether you like it or not but it's just like trying to become a you know play sports it's yeah. literally just training so just every practice. time you taste you just like are making like connections in your brain okay. 
So where now? I know you have um, Passion House Coffee has a lot of connections to the farms, the, the the various farms. When you when you first start going out around the world, when you were starting this out, that seems like a, a gigantic undertaking. Because you know, all I knew growing up about coffee was Juan Valdez was picking the beans <laughs> and bringing them down the mountain, and that's how I got my my Hills Brothers coffee. Yeah. So where did you where do you start? How do you how do you go to these farms and say, listen, I'm starting a coffee company in Chicago, and I want to. Yeah, well, like, for example, the f- very first coffee firm I went to uh, right outside Medi, and I met these this co- couple at a trade show. Uh, I met them in the elevator, and then next they have a farm in uh, outside Median. Next thing you know, they brought me to their farm. The world's becoming a really small place. Yeah, that's true. So it's not as difficult anymore, and, and now especially because you can you can email the farmers, you can viber with them. Yeah, it's really it, it's it's interesting to see how close you can talk with the farmers without actually even going to origin now. Do you have to go? Is is there good coffee being grown in the states, or do you have to go elsewhere? So coffee really is only grown between the Tropic of Cancer and Tropic of Capricorn. Okay. So right in between, like on the equator line, um, so there's so the only coffee in the United States that's really growing is on uh, Hawaii. Okay. And the so kind yeah, of, yeah, that coffee's dreamy. So <laughs> is it? Is it good? I mean, you hear I think about it's a it. nostalgic. It, it's I think yeah. it's a nostalgic coffee, right? When okay. people get it, like especially if they're buying it back in the states, a stateside. Right. And they're, oh, I want Kona, and then they get to go back to, you know, rainbows and That's true. Surfing. It's like when I have Blue Mountain coffee, it reminds me of going on my honeymoon, and that was the first, that was actually the first coffee I ever drank was on my honeymoon in Jamaica, and they were all Blue Mountain coffee. You yeah, I'm on. Blue Mountain coffee, and I was like, okay, I guess. <laughs> it's Blue Mountain coffee. Where do you find, where, where does Passion House, where do you find the best, or is it one place, or do you source it from all over? So we source it from all over. It's, uh, coffee is just like any other agricultural product right so there's different seasonalities okay so each region has different seasons so what we're doing is going with the seasons so buying all in uh fresh crop coffees and um the uh so it just depends at any time we can have eight to 13 different types of coffees you know from ethiopia colombia honduras peru oh, wow. yeah uh, uh, papua new guinea and yeah. each of these have characteristics that uh, for somebody who can really taste the difference that even if they're subtle, they there are differences in all these kind of beans. Yeah, right? for sure. And, and is it, that from is that from the the beans and the climate that they're grown in? Is it the roasting process that you guys do to them? Where does that where do those subtleties really come out? So really on the farm level. So it depends on what varietal is, how what's the altitude, what's the season like, what's in the soil, what else is growing around uh, the coffee plants. Okay. Yeah, that's what it really imparts the flavor. And then as a roaster, like your goal is just to kind of shine the what's already in those beans. Okay. So Passion House Coffee, if you go to passionhousecoffee.com, you can find out all about what they do at Passion House. You can also go to one of their three locations, uh, Logan Square, Goose Island, or Fulton Market. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we are going to talk about why these two men are in here together. Why is Justin Cunningham from Social Works here? Why is Joshua Millman from Passion House Coffee here? What are they doing? Well, it's uh, it's pretty cool. We'll talk about that on the other side. It's 720 WGN. Brian Noonan, 720 WGN. In the studio with me, Justin Cunningham. He is one of the co-founders of Social Works. And uh, Joshua Millman is here. He is the founder and owner of Passion House Coffee. All right. So we, we found out a lot about Social Works. We found out a lot about Passion House. Now, who wants to share why you guys are here together? You, you've created a partnership. 
an amazing partnership. Yes, well, I, the, I like the adjective. Yeah, yes. um, we got introduced um, first. Uh, Essence Smith, who uh, our friend uh, introduced, who is here, but Justin for some reason uh, made her stand over there. She doesn't get to talk. <laughs> Essence is in the studio, but she has been banished to just running uh, running one of the social media channels for Social Works, uh, and it's Social Works C C H I dot org is the website for all Social Works programs. But all right, so Essence, you met Essence, Josh. We met Essence. And I think really quickly, we kind of were on the same level. And uh, I just was really appreciating the energy and then all the like, you know, studying what Chance was doing before I had met her, you know, to really understand. It honestly it blew me away that her and Nick and Justin are running this um, non for profit that for me just gets super excited. And I love obviously that it's local. And um, once I met the rest of the gang, you know, Justin's a pretty funny dude, in case you can't tell. <laughs> no, he seems very very humorous, quite entertaining. Still, I don't know. He'll have to dis- discuss with Essence why he banished her. That, that's for off the air. We'll do that later. But so you, you guys come together, and you're like, all right, hey, I like these guys. I like what Social Works is doing. And and then, Justin, how did you, how did the leap come to say to Joshua, hey, let's, or who approached who and said, let's let's do something together? Well, I think Passion House uh, approached uh, Social Works, and and we just started talking. We just started talking. You know, where where does Passion House hearts lie? You know, where does Social Works hearts lie? And we found a really nice medium with uh, with mental health. Yeah. You know, and, and really this idea that you know mental health and mental wellness should be as accessible, you know, as a cup of coffee. You yes. know, it's everywhere. But you know, I'm only going to Passion House. But with that being said, it right. you know, it should be talked about, it should be celebrated. You should have different varieties and choice, you know, just like coffee. Right. And, and and we settled on on their award winning, you know, cold brew to go ahead and and, <laughs> and and support my state of mind in social works and also share the the hazelnut notes that oh. uh, that are inherent in this cold brew. Now did you taste the hazelnut notes or did Josh what teach you about the hazelnut no. he taught me about it but i have a That's pretty right, expansive too. palate yeah. you, know? Nice. you know so i uh, saw so, so i could taste it you know but sometimes i do like it with my french vanilla creamer oh you know sure you mix it up a little <laughs> yes and i do i like to layer i like to layer the flavors too so all of a sudden now you guys come together in passion house and and social works says we're going to do this we're going to use we're going to use the the cold brew and we're going to we're going to uh can it for my state of mind so how is it if people buy this? What you know? So that, what that hap- all sounds good, yeah. but how does it come back? Sure. So I, we're right now. If you the cans are at all of our cafes, and then a couple of partners, Paulettes and Goddess and the Baker, and for every can that sells, fifty percent of the proceeds goes back to Social Works. Very nice, right? To continue to help with this platform. Yeah, <clears throat> for me personally, um, starting to work on my state of mind. It. it just the fact that these guys are trying to remove the negative stigma and is just incredible. We mentioned that before. That is that's the biggest hurdle I think for most people. And and I know it's it's a stigma across the board, but I also know in some communities there's a bigger stigma. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody wants to appear weak. Nobody wants to uh, think that they can't handle things on their own. So trying to trying to open that door and go, "Hey, it's it's okay because you're not what you're feeling is not unique." You know, yes. everybody has these feelings. We're all in this together. Right, exactly. And there's a whole team on board, you know, with, with My State of Mind. You you have Social Works, you have Passion House, we have Leo Burnett, we have Blue Cross Blue Shield, nice. and we have all the state 
county and city regulatory bodies in mental health. So you see the IDHS or Illinois Department of Human Services. Uh, you have Chicago Department of Public Health. And, you know, we're all coming together the first time they've all come together to really just set the pace and the precedent of what wellness can look like, you know, for future generations. And are you finding when so you have the program and Social Works has the My State of Mind. What's the first step in outreach to try to to try to get to these young people and say, hey, we're here with this and don't worry about don't worry about what anybody else might think about it. How, what's the what's the challenge there to to open that initial door to get them to take that first step in? Well, the challenge is finding them first. You know, we can't help we can't help right. if we can't find them. So throughout this next 2020 year, you know, even right now, you know, talking on WGN, we're going to be showing up, pulling up to places, whether that be the libraries, the the parks, you know, the schools, any place where young people may be and let them know that, you know, here's a resource for you. And, you know, when we pull up, we'll have some cool things to try out as well. And do you lure them in with the uh, Passion House coffee? We that lure seems, them in with the Passion House like coffee. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and the big day. Jacked album. up on caffeine and they start talking. Yeah. And, they, and they're, they're willing to share. No, 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 no. It's the music and the good vibes that bring them in. <laughs> and if you are old enough, have a cup of coffee. Or do you have to be older? Do you have to, what do you have to be 18 to have a cup of coffee? I mean, I don't know. I was going to say. I didn't have coffee when I, back in my day. For them, well, I, didn't, I didn't either, but now I see little kids drinking coffee and it amazes me. Yeah, I mean, like maybe I said, I didn't have coffee until like... till I went on my honeymoon. You know, <laughs> so I was 29 when I had my first cup of coffee. Wow. Yeah. 16's a good, good 16, age. 16, yes. Yeah, yeah you know. So why, why the cold brew? What, what made this the coffee that Passion House said, you know what, for my state of mind, this is, this is the coffee that uh, will work? Uh, it's the same that we do use our uh, canned cold brew, passion cat. Um, the reason why is this coffee is really, it's just to meet people where they're at, super yeah. approachable. It tastes like, you know, like it feels very familiar when you drink That's it. That's nice. Yeah. And so that is, that is the first step and, you know, trying to create a place where people feel safe, yeah. you know, and that's everything they're trying to do. And this cold brew just like, you know, put, puts you right there. Very nice. So again, you can get you can get the cans of my state of mind, the Passion House Coffee and Social Works uh, team of coffee. You can get those at the uh, Passion House Coffee locations in Logan Square, Goose Island, Fulton Market Warehouse. I'm sure on uh, passionhousecoffee.com and also on socialworkchi.org, you'll have a list of where where else they can find this. Yeah, and it's fifty percent of all the proceeds go to. Go back to my state of mind. Yeah, if I could just add one thing, if you, you can, sure. if you don't have the ability to get these cans, please ask your local retailer because you got to realize the best thing for you guys to do is help buy it and let's raise some real kind of money for uh, my state of mind. So please let people know and let's get this out there. Socialworkschi.org is where you can find out all about My State of Mind and all of the other great programs that Social Works is doing. Uh, and PassionHouseCoffee.com is where you can find out all about Passion House Coffee. Uh, guys, it's been great having you. Justin Cunningham, one of the co-founders of Social Works. Good luck with uh, good luck with this. Good luck with the rest of the uh, the programs you have. Good luck dealing with Essence when you leave here because uh, this could be I, I don't know. And Joshua, thanks for uh, thanks for coming in today. It was great meeting you guys. Good luck and uh, keep up the good work because uh, this is all of these are very important programs and uh, I wish you nothing but success. So thanks, thanks for, for coming us. in. Uh, don't forget socialworkschi.org and passionhousecoffee.com. All right. On the other side of the news, we will talk about your Uber ride and how much it 
bit more. It could cost you if the mayor gets her way. Eh, maybe it'll change how you do things. Maybe it won't. But we will find out on the other side of the news right here on 720 WGN. Uh, just a quick programming note. I will be in Wednesday night at uh, 10 o'clock from 10 to 1. So you can join me then. And uh, then on November 1st, I will also be here from 10 to 1. So hopefully you will join us then. And uh, as I said, keep uh Keep updated on Facebook to find out when we will when the Sunday shows. There's uh, with sports and things. The schedule's a little screwy, but we always let you know when we're back. Just a, a follow up. This got this got a lot of buzz, more so than our our good friends and the uh, the My State of Mind coffee that you can get. It's uh, with Social Works and Passion House Coffees, their collaboration, which is wonderful. Uh, the news coming out, and I'm surprised that our award winning news team has not covered this, but. Uh, Chicago has followed Oakland, California's lead and has now decriminalized psychedelic plants. So this, this I don't know how this uh, came up between my guests. And Cody, you were very excited about this news as well. Uh, I wouldn't say excited. You That's... seemed very excited, and I was shocked. To be honest, I was shocked by the level of enthusiasm you had uh, for people who... For people who take the magic mushrooms, the city of Chicago became the latest U.S. city to effectively decriminalize psychedelic plants and fungi. Uh, Members of Chicago's Committee on Health and Human Relations unanimously passed, quote, a resolution supporting ethiogenic plant practice, declaring that the investigation and arrest of individuals involved with the adult use of entheogenic plants on the federal schedule one list uh, be amongst the lowest priority for the city of chicago and the chicago police department end quote so denver and oakland already doing that i just can't believe this flew totally off my radar (laughs) now see i i understand it's not even being anywhere near my radar um (laughs) i don't even think i've ever i know i've never done uh, mushrooms. I don't think I've ever even seen mushrooms because I am like uh, they used to say. I'm an L7. I'm a square. I uh, I don't know anything about that. I know that uh, you know there was uh, the rumors, the urban legends of people going out into cow pastures and finding mushrooms in piles of uh, cow dung and uh, you know drying them out and selling. Oh man, oh the, all the mushrooms. But I don't know anything about it. Well, they're. I don't know much about it. I don't know enough about it. But did I ever tell you my Amsterdam story? No, but please, uh, please share. All right, real quick. So I'm in Amsterdam a couple years ago with my wife. and uh, With my wife? With my wife. You and, you and Borat going to... Why were you traveling <laughs> with Borat to Amsterdam? That That is really the biggest question. Why would Borat do mushrooms? Because it was very nice. Very nice. Um, I'm so high. My wife and I, we did a little Germany tour for like a week, but we flew in and out of Amsterdam for various reasons. Because so you wanted I, to go to the red light district. <laughs> Overrated. Sure. Oh, is it? Yes. Sure. The swing, not what it, uh, not what they sell you on the postcard. It's like, eh. Okay. I don't know. It's it's a thing. Whatever. Anyway, I'm there, and right. you walk into some shops, and, and like Amsterdam has this reputation for being, you know, really drug. Right. That everybody's going into a cafe and doing hash and getting high, and the whole, you know, everybody's just everybody's either with a hooker or with a drug dealer. That's right. that's basically what I think when I think of Amsterdam. That's what I think. It has a really... Are there canals? Uh, yeah. Oh, every... Oh, yeah. It's okay. a... Yes. So canals, hash, shrooms, and hookers. And the Van Gogh Museum. And the Van Gogh. The most effective museum I've ever been to. I could only hear the tour out of one side of my head, though. Hmm. 
Weird. Go Weird. ahead. So I'm in Amsterdam, and I walk into this shop, and it's selling all these quote-unquote recreational drugs. <laughs> Think- why why quote-unquote? Because some, some there was no recreation involved. These were professional drugs. They, they claim things like, oh, you'll have mild hallucinations, or oh, you'll be on this, like... <laughs> On this mild high, and you'll be relaxed, and all these things, and and I'm like, we're gonna be in Europe for a week. Let, let me buy a couple of these weird little trinkets and see what happens. Let me ask if I can clarify, and maybe they, maybe you ask this question in one of these cafes or stores. What constitutes a constitutes a mild hallucination? Because I think any hallucination to me is going to be a major ordeal. Where I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? I Why don't... is there a giant elephant wearing a beret and tap dancing coming at me? That that's I think hallucination, that's what I think. I think what it means is sometimes uh, patterns get kind of... uh, Wait, are you hearing those bells? (laughs) I thought maybe we were orally hallucinating. That's what was happening. Yeah, I... That to me, so anyway, the, we are the third largest city in the United States. Uh, Chicago will likely be viewed as a major milestone to scientists, drug policy reformers, and psychedelic and entheogenic plant legalization advocates. All right, back to Cody. Yeah, sorry. I had a, That's all right. You're producing. Yeah, I'm getting lots of phone calls. Uh, well, yeah, but they don't know where they're calling or what's going on. It's very confusing. They're shocked that there's another voice. I believe the hallucinations refer to, let's say you're looking at a wallpaper with a lot of patterns on yeah. it. Maybe they'll move or maybe well, they'll... Look kind of different, so all right. I get I get all these various. Uh, so you're saying you shouldn't wear paisley shirts? Probably not. All right, probably not. I, I look at these, uh, you know. So over the week, we took these various <laughs> quote unquote, um, you know, mood enhancing, what, whatever. It, <laughs> sure, none of, mood, you wanted your mood enhanced. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like I don't know, you know, when in Rome, but when in Amsterdam, and oh. you know, given a bunch of, you know, but none of them said that they were drugs. They were just like supplements, kind of. They were. They were. It was like you walked into. Like, like a GNC, but instead of making you stronger, it would just like make you have more fun or something. Yeah, I, I don't re- advocate this. Never do this in Amsterdam. So over the course of that week, I sampled a few of these things, and none of them did anything except maybe make you more tired. Okay. One one heated up my body temperature briefly before making me tired. Really. They were odd things. I don't know. And they're just like, oh, it's like walking into a Walgreens. They're, okay. they're not, they're not. It's not a seedy, you know, dark. There's not a lot of red velvet curtains and guys in trench coats. No, it's right there in the tourist right di- district. It's like you're walking into one of those shops that just sells a bunch of magnets and keychains yeah. and, and shirts. But it was Love like them. weird supposed drugs. So none of these do anything. So the last night I'm in Amsterdam, my wife flew out early. She she left that morning, Saturday. I've got Saturday afternoon. I go to the Van Gogh Museum. I'm kind of relaxing. And I have one left that I didn't try. And it, <laughs> And it was this little tin labeled Magic Truffles. Okay. And it was explained to me by the shopkeep that he's like... The shopkeep. He's the like, old-timey shopkeep? <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, magic mushrooms are illegal in in Amsterdam and various places, but magic truffles aren't. This is how it was explained to me. And and he's like, but they'll do the same thing. I'm like, okay. And I'm reading the instructions. It's like, oh, only take a little, blah, blah, blah. Were they like Ikea instructions? They were just stick figures getting high? Um, Pretty much. Uh-huh. Pretty much. You know when you walk into the place and you buy like a tin of Altoids? Yeah. This is basically what they're in. Like this isn't some illicit like dark, you know, black market place. It's literally like if you walk down Michigan Avenue and you go into the Wrigley Building Walgreens. So huh. I, I look at these magic truffles. And I'm like, none of the other things I got this week did anything. So I'm just going to take a bunch of these and see what happens. That was... 
one of the biggest mistakes I have ever yeah, made. That, so- that sounds like a bad advice for any anything. Yeah. Yeah, be real careful if you ever get your hands on magic mushrooms or truffles, kids, because wow. So did they tell you what the difference is between a magic mushroom and a magic truffle? They said it's essentially the same thing because it has the same psychoactive elements. Does, does, do a, does a pig have to go hunting for these truffles like they do for other kind of truffles or dogs or pigs? Um, do they have to dig them up? Do we know? I don't actually I don't know, know why that's important. You got pigs? Like, are there feral hogs? There? There's truffle hunting pigs. Are there really? Yes. How do you know this? I know things. How- <laughs> That's what I do. As uh, me and Turian Lannister, I drink and I know things. You sure do. I, I just know. Yes, there's truffle, truffle hunting hogs. Wow. So so this so you took a what a fistful? What would you say? Softball size? Would you, like an apple? How big was the truffle that you the hallucinogenic truffle that you ate? It was like the size of a one one stick of the Kit Kat bar, or like a fun okay. size Snickers. Okay, it wasn't that much. Okay, so that's so. What is it? You take it because you don't know how what it's going to do to you. Yeah, you take the whole thing. That's an amateur mistake. That is. A, that's not a pro move. Yeah, not a pro move. So you take it, and what happens? Everything. Were you were you naked running down the streets of Amsterdam? Did you buy wooden shoes? Did you try to put your finger in a dike to stop a flood? What uh, what happened? I sat there in the hotel room, and the wall <laughs> the wallpaper had these uh, kind of like diamonds on them. And boy, those diamonds moved real fast. Really? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Everything moved real fast. And when I closed my eyes, I was sh- like, you know, remember the end of 2001, A Space Odyssey? No. All right. Well, Never it was... It. It, really? Nope. Really? I know Hal. That's hmm. all I know. Okay. And I know Dan. Close the door, Dan. And you've never watched Doctor Who? No, I know he has a big scarf in a phone booth. <sighs> I know a little. I know a little bit about a lot of stuff. I didn't say I know a lot about everything. Have you seen the Big Lebowski? Of course, I just saw Big Lebowski the other day. Okay, you know when you know when the, it's the Kenny Rogers uh, music video. It just got you know the, my condition. I just dropped in uh, to see what condition my condition was in. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, that, that. Okay, basically that music video is my life. Okay, <laughs> all right. See, now I get it. Yeah. So that was. And how long does this last? Were you able to get on the plane? Did you have to go through customs that way? Uh, I had to call my wife, who is fortunately awake in the United States, and I said, are you awake? Are you able to take a phone call? She said, yes. I'm like, good, because I may actually go insane. And then I talked to her for, I think, three hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a little hazy from there. <laughs> and, all right. What, what did this all cost you? What did this nightmarish experience cost? It was like 10 bucks. 10 bucks. I'm telling you. like it, It's just when it begins. So maybe that's the life lesson we need to take is that, you know, I don't think this stuff should be criminalized. I think that people should be able to, you know, experiment mildly with things. But when you make it too accessible, that could lead to yeah. some problems. Well, that's, you know, uh, that's why I haven't. Uh, I've been in some states where uh, marijuana is legal. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know, I debated. I was like, "Well, I've never done it. Should I? Should I get some edible?" And I, I just haven't because I'm like, "Eh, it's." But now, if I were in Amsterdam, if I was in a foreign land, yeah, I'm not governed by the laws of the United States. <laughs> really, I'm, I'm just an expat for that week. Um, maybe I do it then. Maybe I go crazy. And on the edibles labels, they always say, "Here's the recommended dose. Take the recommended dose, and then do not take more." Yeah, just wait because people take them and go, "Nothing's happening." Mm-hmm. And then 15 minutes later, "Oh, good lord!" Yeah, that's uh, that's not good. Yeah, you know who else is going to be yelling, "Oh, good lord!" 
everybody who gets into a uh, an Uber or a Lyft pretty soon. Uh-oh. Yes, we'll talk about that on the other side. How'd you like that segue? Oh, I still got it. Even after all these weeks, I can still do a segue like nobody's business on WGN. All right. I know Cody is a big uh, rideshare user, uh, Uber, Lyft. I have uh, also used Uber and Lyft. I know I will be using it soon when we go to FOBAB, the Festival of uh, Barrel-Aged Beer. We will be talking to folks about that festival after 4.30. I will definitely be taking an Uber there, Cody, and on the way home. Uh, But it may start costing more. Did you see this? The mayor has proposed a $3 tax on solo rideshare trips downtown if that is passed, Chicago will have their highest rideshare fees in the country. Uh, when you hear this news, I'm wondering, do you think it's going to change your habits? Now, for me, it's not a big deal. I I, I take rideshares very, very seldom. The mayor is saying, listen, we got to do this because it's going to fight congestion. And the rideshare companies are going, well, the mayor doesn't know what causes congestion. Well, I'm going to guess that uh, what causes congestion is more cars and people. Uh, And there are a lot more cars because of the rideshare programs that, for the most part in Chicago, have been relatively unregulated since they got here. So the mayor is trying to raise some money. The the city has, over the last number of years, gotten a lot of tax money from these rideshare companies, Um, but... They're going to uh, they're going to change it. Um, according to the mayor, a number of cities are moving toward fees of different kinds, and in particular, fees that are focusing on the congested core. This is uh, this is from a, a consultant in New York who has studied the side effects of ride shares on traffic congestion, uh, and that's the main point that the mayor is making. As I said, she wants to reduce congestion in the loop. Um, so, if you are getting in, if you are going to or from the loop. Between 6 a.m. and 10 p.m., there is there is a proposed three dollar fee if you are going to ride by yourself. Now you take you take sometimes these Uber pools, right, Cody? You will ride also with uh, with other people. Yeah, sometimes. And if there if it was going to cost you three dollars more to ride by yourself to come into the loop, would you always take the pool, or would you say forget it? I need to take the. I'll pay the three bucks because I'm thinking this is going to this is going to change people's habits because you know they're going to drop the they're going to drop the tax down to sixty five cents, but then they're going to add on this extra this extra fee. Yeah, I mean, to me, you only order an Uber for yourself if right. you are in a hurry. Otherwise, there's I mean, you're going to save sometimes ten bucks taking a pool. Sometimes, really? if it's a longer trip, but right. five to ten bucks. I, for one, am really happy with anything that will reduce the congestion from these rideshares. I see rideshare drivers blowing through stop signs, mm-hmm. cutting doing, off traffic, doing illegal U-turns, it, just in just my neighborhood. Stopping. Yeah, it's a it's it's unsafe, and like these companies are paying their drivers so poorly that I don't blame them for speeding through stop signs and cutting corners and driving dangerously. And, I, I, you know, I think I th- I'm glad that person is studying the effects of ride shares on communities because yeah. I think I think there's a net loss for a lot of reasons. Well, the city has seen a 271% increase in rideshare use in the past couple of years. So people, people want to do it. And, you know, it all came in because people... 
people thought it was a more economical way. It's a lo- you can you can demand it uh, on your own. You can feel important because it's your own private ride. Uh, cabs were getting a bad rap because they were dirty or they smelled or the credit card machine didn't work. And with the advent of Uber and Lyft, you could do everything from your phone. You never had to worry about money. You never had to worry about a credit card machine not working. You were dropped off exactly at your house and picked up exactly at your house. You could tell people where you were going to be. There were a lot of things that made this very attractive to people. Uh, the big uh, the big bill of goods that was sold to the city and to a lot of people was, oh, listen, these rideshare companies, they're going to really uh, help neighborhoods that are hit hard by uh, poverty and where cabs don't want to go. Mass transit might not go to these neighborhoods. Cabs don't want to go to these neighborhoods. However, the statistics don't bear that out. Most of the rides in this city are in the Loop, uh, Lincoln Park, all the uh, all the fancy neighborhoods. These are not. They're not going into poor neighborhoods. They're not going into dangerous neighborhoods. They're going uh, in the Loop, near North Side, near West Side, Lakeview, and West Town. That's where Four out of every ten passenger pickups are going. Wow! So it's not it's not as uh, as great as everybody would want you to believe. But um, you know, I think I think it would it would drive more people to like you said take the take the Uber pool, which just right then makes me say there is not a chance I will ever you know I I. The whole the whole thing bothers. Me. You don't like people. I don't like people. I don't like not driving. I like to be in control. The only time I will not drive is if I know there is absolutely no way I should be driving. Like after Fobab, and we will talk all about Fobab with the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild and uh, Kevin Carey, the award-winning brewer from Beguile Brewing. We'll do all of that on the other side of the news right here on 720 WGN. Brian Noonan, 720 WGN. We're here for about another hour, and then it's Blackhawks hockey on 720 WGN. Uh, it was funny. Cody was sitting here, and you know Cody. He likes to uh, he likes to be chatting. He likes to be gas-bagging a little bit, and then all of a sudden he was like, ah, I got to go get the guests. So he ran out to get our guests. In the meantime, uh, we were talking about Uber and Lyft and the proposed uh, tax increase uh, from the 630. No Uber pool. We make so much less money and literally no pool rider ever tips. Yes, you should tip us like a taxi. Yes, I think I think you need to tip if you're, uh, if you're in a pool or if you're even riding by yourself. Cody has run out to the, uh, the studio. He has come in with people. Uh, I always like to see people. One of these people... I. First of all, uh, welcome. Danielle D'Alessandro is here. She is the executive director of the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild. Good to see you again, Danielle. And uh, Kevin Carey is here. He is the president of the guild and also the the man behind Beguile Brewing. Uh, we really need to update your picture on the Craft Brewers Guild website. That is, I was I looked through it and I'm like, that's not Kevin Carey. I know Kevin Carey, and that's not him at all. But th- this was this was before you uh, fully gave yourself over to being a craft brewer, back when you didn't have a beard and you had short hair. And then what did the other brewers tell you? Listen, you can't you can't be one of us unless you uh, unless you grow your hair long and get a beard. Is yeah, that, that was uh, that was actually corporate Kevin. Co- oh, corporate Kevin. Yeah, that was accountant Kevin. Really? And yeah. now you're brewer Kevin, which is oh, now I'm brewery owner. Brewery Kevin. owner. I, I, that was right. Actually, I think I was brewing back then, right. but now I've been uh, demoted to brewery owner. Brewery owner. Well, yeah. that's all right. It's, listen, it's a good. First, I want to congratulate you, Beguile. Big news coming out of the Great American Beer uh, Festival: gold medal for your barrel-aged imperial pajamas. Congratulations! Thank you. Yeah, uh, that's correct. We won uh, two weeks ago at the Great American Beer Festival. I brought us some gold medal-winning beer. Ah, we love gold medal-winning beer. Very so nice. We were super excited. Um, it's a very um, 
uh, highly contested uh, category. There was yeah. 172 entries. Holy cow! And uh, we were super ecstatic to win. So now, besides being proud, obviously, of your own work, and that's and you go back and you print out new labels, and now Imperial Project, because I have a bottle of the with the regular label, so it's nice to see the new labels. What does that mean for a brewery? In practical terms, what what does it mean like for you within the industry? Now people look at you a little bit different. You get to puff out your chest a little more. How does that? Maybe you go back to getting a you know corporate Kevin look because now you're going to be a big shot. What <laughs> what happens when you win a gold medal at the Great American Beer Festival? Oh man, well we don't know uh, quite exactly what will <laughs> what it'll mean, but I can tell you the last two weeks have been pretty great. I can imagine. <laughs> so everybody's trying to get it. First of all, I'm sure um, consumers want that beer now nonstop. Well, cool thing. Uh, so we package still in 22 ounce. Oops, I slipped. <laughs> um, we package still in 22 ounce bottles, um, and uh, everything's shifting to cans. Okay. So coincidentally enough, when we won, we actually still had a pallet of beer in inventory. So I don't know ah. if it was because uh, we pulled it off uh, the shelf for sale and we're kind of holding on to some, or if it was because bomb- bottles sell a little bit slower now. Okay. But the day we won, uh, we put the bottles out for sale. So. Boom. Uh, it was really cool to have it left over. We were really proud of this particular batch when we released it last year. And, um, yeah, we happened to have a pallet left, so it's been on tap for the last two weeks, and it's been for sale. And one of our things about it being a brewery is that we always um, – we, we've always tried to be approachable, okay. and um, I think everything about this beer and winning this medal is like the crossroads of of that of being. Yeah. A, so we we won uh, a prestigious category with a, um, a a beer that this is actually our most expensive beer that we make, okay. um, and so to have all that, but then also a lot of times if a barrel aged beer wins, it might not be available at retail. Okay. However, this you one know, was. the stars aligned. Um, you know, and it kind of goes to our, our ethos of being approachable. So to be able to the same day, put the bottles out for sale and be like, this is the beer that we won with. So not bad. Now I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but Fobab, the festival of barrel aged beer is coming up November 9th. Will people be able to taste some of this gold medal winning Imperial pajamas at Fobab? They will. Yes. Yep. We entered uh, two versions okay. of Imperial Pajamas this year, barrel-aged Imperial Pajamas. We're doing just the, the straight uh, barrel-aged version, and then we're entering a baklava version. Ooh, that sounds tasty. Which is honey, pistachio, and cinnamon. Ooh. So some people might say that's blasphemous to take our gold medal winning beer and put all those things in there, but we disagree. I can I, I can see both sides. It's for fun. You, know, you guys, brewers, and I've said this many times. Brewers are mad scientists. You can't you can't let well enough alone. You got to look at it and go, wow, this is this is obviously a really good beer. Let's see if we can make it even better. Let's let's change it up a little bit. Uh, so Danielle D'Alessandro is here with you. She is the executive director of the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild. Uh, Danielle, tell people who aren't who aren't. Uh, in the know, what the guild is about. What do you guys do at the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild? Sure. Thanks, Brian, for having us on. Um, I was just going to know quickly, though, that um, when you uh, attend FOBAB this year, you will have to to try both of... Uh both of Beguile's entries, and you can be the judge. Well, on, if you twist on my which arm, one, I guess which, I will which one you enjoy in. more. Um, <laughs> if it really is blasphemous to uh, to change the award winning the award winning beer, um, but I'm sure I'm sure Kevin, as a brewer, is not going to want me. Go, you know what? I'll tell you something else. After having sampled some other, I think you should have left it as it is. It was good the way it was. Mm-hmm. I did. I will say though, last year, and I won't name the brewery. Uh, I know these guys, and. I had had one of their beers at Fobab, and I was like, 
And then later they they had it at their tap room, but not the barrel aged version, just the regular version. And I tried it and it was fantastic. And then the next time I was there, after I said, Oh, I had this one again, and I said, You know what? Um, I got to tell you, I love this. He was like, Yeah. I said, I didn't really, you know, at Fobab, he goes, Oh, yeah, we didn't like it either. We, <laughs> so it was, he, that brewer knew that mm-hmm. it was not the best because some, some beers. They don't. They they really don't need to be barrel aged, right? People are well, just and trying to. And the flavor to, just changes yeah, over time. Yeah, I think, right, Kevin? Your award winning beer was was 2018. Yep. So uh, due to the cycle of uh, entering into GABF, we our beer was about ten months in the bottle at the time of oh, wow. of uh, when we entered it. So um, it that's had, a long time. Is that is that a long time or no? Um, for a dark beer, for a, a barrel aged beer, some people will keep them for upwards of five years. And try to drink five. Then they'll say five and drink five at once. Okay, uh, you'll do five different years, and they call that a vertical. Uh, but for this, it's actually um, okay. It's not a long time for a barrel aged beer. It actually helps it um, mellow out a little bit. So um, the bourbon will uh, subside. Sometimes uh, when you pull a barrel aged beer out of the barrels, you might it might taste hot, or okay. you might get a lot more whiskey than um, you're intending to. So but some, are they meant to be? I mean, if you once you bottle it. I can drink it, right? It's 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 going to be good. I don't have to, I don't have to age it. You, Absolutely. When, yeah. you, when you guys put Imperial pajamas in the bottle, it's ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not changing like dramatically. Uh, you know, in ten months, it's just that uh, you know when we bottle it, uh, we'll bottle it three weeks before we release it, and we feel like it's ready at that time. But um, you can you can sit on it for a little while and just see how it mellows out. And I think some of the the darker um, malt characteristics come out over time. Um, so it's kind of like uh, you know it's very similar to aging aging wine yeah. you know they they get complex or gain complexity over time um, and darker beers tend to do that really well. Okay, so let's go back, Danielle, to the yes. to the guild. Yes. So tell Thank us you. tell us about the guild of which this uh, this young man is the president. Absolutely. Of the so what yeah. do you guys do? Yeah, I was just I'm so excited about our Rockbine Festival that I uh, just almost di- dove right in. <laughs> That's um, all right. So so the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild is the trade association that represents all of our small and independent breweries throughout the state. We focus on three areas, advocacy, so legislating, you know, advocating for laws down in Springfield that promote our, our industry um, promotion, so hosting festivals or events in particular, our largest festival, um, and, and all, uh, coincidentally and consequently fundraiser next month, our festival of wood and barrel aged beer, and then um, education. We host an annual conference and trade show, and then we um, provide various um, opportunities throughout the year for our brewers to to take advantage of different technical seminars. Um, so we're here to to promote the industry um, and the development of, of craft breweries across the state. And is there any, uh, I know last time we talked, there were some uh, legislative moves that were being undertaken by any new, any new news on the craft beer front? I would say that there there was um, one law that we worked um, that we were very involved with this past session, and in, in, in part there were two parts. Um, one is the uh, the ability for commonly owned brew pubs to combine their barrelage um, to have a little bit more flexibility in their production schedule. Okay. Um, brew pubs, um, just like class one brewers and class two brewers, are capped on their annual production, and so um, this allows again more more than one commonly owned brew pub to combine that barrelage to then have greater um, production flexibility at one location over the other. Um, and, and that really benefited a couple of our members that had two or three brew pub locations. And then the second piece of that was um, extending or codifying, I should say, into state law, the ability for breweries and brew pubs to fill and sell growlers or crawlers. Okay. So those 32 ounce or 64 ounce um, 
you know, crawlers in the 32 ounces tend to be cans, although you, you see some glassware um, in, in the form of jugs, and then those growlers, 64 ounce, kind of like your milk jug, um, to, to fill and sell those, but then also extended that privilege to on-premise retailers, so your bar, restaurant, um, not off-premise retailers like a okay. Binnie's um, or a liquor store, um, as long as they're meeting pretty extensive cleaning and sanitizing, filling, and sealing requirements. Right. Very nice. Let's take a quick break, and then we will come back, and we will talk all about FOBAB, the Festival of Wood and Barrel-Aged Beer. Uh, it is it is an unbelievable festival if you are a fan of this type of beer. Uh, you can go to FOBAB.com to get uh, information on that. You can go to IllinoisBeer.org to get all the information on the Craft Brewers Guild, and you can always go to BeguileBrewing.com to get all the information on Kevin Carey's uh, award-winning beers and all the other offerings at Beguile. Uh, Danielle D'Alessandro is here. She's the Executive Director of the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild. Kevin Carey is the owner of Beguile Brewing. We will talk all about Fobab on the other side. It's 720 WGN. All right, we are talking beer in particular Wood and barrel-aged beer, because Fobab, the festival of wood and barrel-aged beer, is coming to the UIC, uh, is it the Pavilion or the, for- yeah, the UIC, Forum? The Forum uh, on November 9th. There are three se- It's actually the 8th and the 9th, because there is a tasting session on Friday night. There are two sessions on Saturday. Danielle D'Alessandro is here. She's the executive director of the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild. And Kevin Carey is here. He is the owner of Beguile Brewing, uh, who just won a gold medal for their barrel-aged imperial pajamas at the Great American Beer Fest. That is one of the many, many beers, over 400 beers. Beers, if I'm not mistaken, uh, are going to be represented at Fobab. Am I? That, that seems like a lot. Yeah, it is I a can't lot. get. I can't it, possibly sample 400 <laughs> beers. It is our highest category or our highest number of entries um, yet. We have. Um, just over, just about 230 breweries from across the country. We have one from Argentina and one from Canada that are oh, wow. also participating this year, so we're really excited about that. Um, the, the great thing, though, is that it, it's a lot of beer, but we also do have um, a growing selection of cider, perry, and mead. Yes. And so for, for folks that, that maybe aren't quite into beer, um, although I would say that the the unique thing about um, barrel-aged beer is is because the the barrels that brewers are using are, are so unique, whether it's bourbon, whiskey, rye, tequila, rum, brandy, that you, you really do get a lot of those notes. And I know we'll dive mm-hmm. into that a little bit. But so if, if you're not a huge beer drinker, but you really like whiskey or you really like wine, yeah. um, you're picking up those properties then in in those in the taste that you're that you're sampling at the festival. And so I, I think it's really meant for for anyone that occasionally enjoys um, imbibing. Yes, and it's it's something that's very unique because as you mentioned, Danielle, it's not it started out when when the whole barrel age thing started, it was just bourbon barrels that was that was the first one and then kevin you can probably speak to this over the years as danielle mentioned now you've got your people are ciders in gin barrels and there's all this different kinds and this has to be just another one of those uh, examples of brewers going all right if this is good maybe this will be as good or better or something else and just like every beer has a different different characteristics every spirit has different characteristics as well so what are you looking for when you go to put a beer in a barrel how are you how are you trying to mesh them yeah um i think for us uh it's balance um i think it's really important to uh you know you don't want one uh you don't want the barrel to overpower the beer and you don't want the beer to overpower the barrel so um you mentioned gin barrels we've uh one of our most favorite 
uh, barrel-aged beers we've ever made was a gin barrel-aged Saison uh, that we aged in few spir- spirits um, gin barrels. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that one was all about uh, balance, and it actually, uh, we had to pull it out of the barrels quickly um, because had we left it in there, the gin and the barrel would have overtaken the beer. So, okay. But we tasted along the way to make sure uh, it's where we want it to be, and then um, you kind of assess it. We do uh, tasting panels um uh, frequently uh on our barrels to make sure that they're where we want them to be uh but with any you know whether it's um i saw a a story about somebody using a tequila barrel um so you know you can use everything tequila rum uh bourbon bourbon is the one that we use the most uh we've done rye whiskey um i've seen a lot of rye yeah those are really nice um We've used uh, four local barrels from Koval. They have a four grain whiskey that's really nice and an oat whiskey. Um, yeah. And can so. the barrel is it a one time use for these barrels? Um, we use them one time. Uh, we're working on um, trying to use some more. Um, it's harder and harder to get barrels now because sure, everybody's um, doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. So finding uh, single use spent, uh, with, you know, from the from a distillery is is uh, not as easy as it used to be. Um, but yeah, so we're trying to find ways to reuse them. A lot of breweries, uh, like we'll, uh, in the past, we've sold um, our barrels to our next door neighbor, oh, okay. uh, Dovetail. Very nice. Um, so, so Danielle, when people come into Fobab, which again is the 8th and 9th of November at the UIC Dorn Forum, which is 725 West Roosevelt, if you go to Fobab.com, you can get all the information. Not only are they going to be just, it's overwhelming when you walk in. 400, you've got beer, you've got, as you said, ciders and meads and everything. But it's not just for t- it is for tasting. But these these breweries are also competing. What are wh- how many different categories? What are, what are what are some of the uh, the things that are being compete competed for other than bragging rights like uh, Big Isles over here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we really we really talk about this as the premier competition and festival of barrel aged beers in the country. And so all of the beer, Perry cider, and mead that you can taste on the floor has been entered into the competition. And so the, the award ceremony, the judging takes place, takes place on Friday. We have over 100 certified judges. Um, It's broken down into 12 categories. Um, And then the award ceremony is Saturday at about two o'clock in the afternoon during that, uh, that afternoon session. Um, And so we, we have, um, you know, golds, silver and bronze in the 12 categories. And then we do a best to show and a runner up. And so that's really unique because then, and, and that's, definitely our most popular session because we put a designation on the signs um, of the winners and so you know you have attendees that then are going going crazy for for those beers um that they that they have to try um and so you know it's it's fun though to see you know I, i guess on the back end from our standpoint looking at all the beers all the entries and their descriptions and picking out Ooh, I want to make sure I try this one, or that sounds really interesting, and then kind of compare that with with what the judges, um, you know, deem to, to to be the award winners. Um, and we do something similar too, where uh, the judges do take notes and. Well, maybe we were talking about this offline, and, <laughs> and I'm getting this confused. But the judges will take notes and provide those notes. Um, we send those out to the brewers then to give okay. them feedback on on their uh, their entries. Um, so that I think has been really compelling for, for breweries across the country to get involved and that metal designation has become um, has become I think well, pretty a, pretty it's unique. A big deal. Yeah. And tickets sell fast. So there are there are still tickets tickets available for our for all three sessions. Yeah, there are just a couple hundred left though for okay. our Saturday afternoon session and then yeah. we have a few hundred more than for the Friday night and Saturday night. 
So go and check this out. Now, this is one of those, uh, there's a reason that it's smaller sessions, because most of the barrel-aged beers are very high alcohol content, uh, the mead, the cider, everything, and that's because they're pulling the spirits out of the barrel, right? Besides, I mean, they're usually pretty big beers that go into the barrel, and then they get the alcohol from the wood, and it just kicks it up a, another notch. Yeah, uh, when, <clears throat> when the barrels are delivered, um, they're still, the wood is still wet. So uh, you put a 10% beer in, um, and you never know what might come out. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's cool because it picks up, you know, you're picking up the flavors uh, because you're actually, you have a little bit of that residual liquid left over. Very nice. Well, listen, we got we to gotta take a quick break. But everybody needs to go to Fobab.com. Get your tickets for the Festival of Wood and Barrel-Aged Beer. Uh, it supports the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild. It is a wonderful, wonderful uh, festival. You will also get to taste and enjoy some of the gold medal-winning barrel-aged imperial pajamas from Beguile Brewing. Uh, so Fobab.com, BeguileBrewing.com. IllinoisBeer.org. Those are the websites. Get your tickets. Thank you, Danielle D'Alessandro, for coming in, the executive director. And always good to see Kevin. Uh, we got to do this. Then it's news time, WGN. We have to say hello to our guest. For the last, uh, boy, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Andy will be able to tell us. For the last number of years, I have had the pleasure of being the host for Rockin' for a Cure to uh, help the dad's chapter of the Leukemia Research Foundation Raise money for a great cause. Andy Cole is on the board of the Dad's Chapter. He is one of the organizers of Rockin' for a Cure, and he joins me now on WGN. Andy, how are you? Hey, Brian. How are you? It's nice to talk to you. Good to talk to you. So I was trying to remember, you guys always seem to know, you guys always think I've been there much longer than I think I have been, but I've been... I think it's about 55 years now, maybe 60, I'm not sure again. Yeah, uh, I've been uh, emceeing this event for, uh, in utero, I started doing it. It is a a great event, but uh, for those who don't know, what is the dad's chapter of the Leukemia Research Foundation? Well, we're one of, oh, 25, 26 chapters that are generally spread around the Chicago area, and we're part of the Leukemia Research Foundation, which is a charity organized about 70 years ago, and we're it's a local charity. It's right here in Chicago. Actually, it's based in Northfield, and it provides research grants and patient services and, and care for the relatives of patients that have not just leukemia, but all blood cancers. And so this this organization has been around for 70 years. Actually, they just opened their first chapter in Atlanta, we just found out. So, but we've been around for, the the group's been around for 70 years. Now, our group has not been around that long, but you've been around with us for almost as long as we have, because I think this is your 12th year with us at Rockin. Maybe. And we've only been around for about 15 years as a chapter, so... (laughs) Oh, wow. then I almost got in on the ground floor. It is a it is a great event, and for those who who want to know about it, it is happening on November nineteenth, which is a Tuesday night. Uh, it is, and it, you know, and and you can vouch for this, and because you're there, it's actually true. This is not a stodgy charity kind of no. dreary event. This 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 event really moves. It, 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 we call it Rockin' for a Cure, but it does rock. We'll have the modern day Romeos entertaining us, along with Brian Noonan handling all oh, the MC duties. And it is fun. It, it it lasts two and a half hours or so, and it flies by. It's great. It moves very quickly. And uh, this year, you are back at Dirty Nellie's, which is 180 North Smith Street in Palatine. Uh, AllBloodCancers.org backslash rockin' is where people can get all the uh, 
all the details Wait, I about got a better, it. I, I got a better place for it. What? If you if you go to yeah, Facebook.com slash rockin L R F. It's R O C K I N L R F, which is Leukemia Research Foundation. So yes. Facebook.com slash rockin L R F. There'll be a link there where you can buy tickets. Perfect. And I hope we have all the uh, what do we call the people who are Brian Noonan followers? Uh hostages? <laughs> Prisoners? Yeah, uh, Noonies or, or no, Bry Guys? What should we call them? I think just some of the smartest radio consumers in America. And it goes without saying, so you shouldn't have said it. Well, that's I have to say it. Sometimes I need to hear it myself. But it's a fun... All right, let's tell people, because this is always... You know I always have fun with the uh, with the raffles and the silent auctions. And they find people at uh, the Dad's Chapter are out beating the bushes nonstop, coming up with great, great... Uh, auction items, silent auction items, and raffle items. And uh, you know, a few of my favorite, always, the Giant Rice Krispies. Uh, there's a plethora, if you are a Lucy fan, there are always great Lucy prizes that you can bid on uh, or the, for the raffles. And then there's silent auction items. And every year it seems like you guys get more and more items donated to be part of this night. We have a lot of wonderful people who are willing to help us with this uh, from supermarkets to grow, to restaurants to theaters, uh, one of the things we have this year we have GT Prime is a dinner for four Ooh. at uh, Chef Giuseppe's restaurant downtown, and so they, they, I mean he is amazing and it's he's a he's a, a wonderful talented chef and he's going to prepare a special dinner for four uh, to the lucky winner of that we have Odyssey Cruises uh, a cruise out in Lake Michigan for dinner cruise for two. Uh, we have something new this year from Explosion. They oh. have uh, locations in Buffalo Grove and Lombard. And so you get to, if anybody was around when Johnny Carson at N. Ames did a Frontier yes. Briss, uh, well, you can learn how to do that at Explosion. You get to throw an axe at a target for a couple hours. I, I went actually there with our just... friend Captain Wingspan. Yeah, Don is Don is the wingspan guy. We'll explain what that's about. The axe throwing is fun. We just did it. It was it's a ball. But Don is a guy. What's he now? I, see, I have a thirty-eight inch sleeve. I think Don's has to be thirty-nine to forty. He has he has uh, what can only be described as a freakishly wide wingspan. And when and I mean that in the best possible way because when you go to buy your tickets to drop in the raffle prizes, Don gives you a wingspan of tickets. You know, some places you go, you go to some of these events, they'll go, oh, it's 5 for $10, or it's a dollar a ticket. No, no, no. What, what, what do you pay for a wingspan of tickets, Andy? Uh, if, I it's think like, it's $30, but if you buy two of two wingspans, it's $50, so you get a yeah. discount there. And, and Don, Don's reach tickets. is pretty wide. I mean, yeah. you, he, he could play for the Bulls. I mean, he, oh, he's, yeah. he's got that wide, so wide getting, reach. And it, and his wife is, is, is very petite, and, you know, so if you don't want to pay very much, you get a Paulette wingspan, which is about a ticket and a half. Yeah, but go go with the non-wingspan, because then you're getting a lot for your money. You're helping out uh, the Dad's Chapter of the Leukemia Research Foundation, and you can drop your ticket in one of, uh, you know, in a couple more items that you want to bid on. And there's always there's oh. always a lot. I, last year, I'm still, I haven't popped it open yet. Last year, I won a very fancy bottle of tequila. Very fancy. And I think well, it only took me, I, hope- I think it only took me six wingspans <laughs> to get it, but uh, I really, really wanted that tequila. Uh, but then- well, and, and 
and get get it open quickly, although it ages well. It so ages you know, well. It, it, it really doesn't matter when you open it. Maybe I'll just drink it on It'll when I'm doing the MC duties on Tuesday the 19th at Rockin' for a Cure. I thought you promised not to do that anymore. Uh, listen, uh, it's, my, it's what, the 13th year? That's unlucky for everybody. So <laughs> modern-day modern day Romeos will be providing the entertainment. They did a, a great they job will. last year. They were a lot of fun, a great dance band. And as you said, Andy, it's it's not a stodgy fundraiser. It's a lot of fun. Dirty Nelly's is a great venue. Uh, there's a the beautiful private room with a big stage for the band. Uh, we're going to have a lot of silent auction items, a lot of great uh, raffle items. And uh, now are we a little food this year, too, for people when they come in? Well, they can. Yeah, and they, they can. They, well, they have can a nice, order, brand course, new menu. They, they, sure. they have a they have a brand new menu at Dirty Nellies. Everything new, new kitchen, new chefs, new new menu. So, you know, they'll they'll get. They, nobody's going to go away hungry. And if anybody, one of the nice things is, is that you're really accessible. So while the band is is performing. And you, we're just, you and I are just hanging out at the bar, so I people know. want to come and talk to you, and uh, you know, you're you're right there. So it, it's yeah. uh, we have a lot of fun just talking to people who come up and, and listen to your shows, and uh, just just want to meet you and hang out. And it, it, this is great. And listen, it's not for lack of trying because all these years I've asked you for a private booth where I can be uh, sequestered from people, but you say no. People want to say hello and. All right, so I'll do it. I'll do it to help out the Dad's Chapter of the Leukemia Research Foundation. Um, they this... do, and, and the money has been going to great. First, first thing, the Leukemia Research Foundation is rated has had the top rating from charity rating systems for the past several years. So right. the money really goes to where it's supposed to go to, and it's helping. people. The, the, the cure rates are going up and up more and more every year. You know, when... when Years ago, leukemia was a death sentence to particularly the children. Now the cure rate in, in some of the leukemias are in the 90% and over range. That's amazing. And so this is we're, what we're doing is, is helping to propel that even forward so nobody suffers, and it's working. It's making a difference. So, if folks, if you're out there and you have the time, you have this is a fun event, and you're helping out a great cause. Yeah, so I hope to see everybody there. It's uh, Rockin' for a Cure. It's put on by the Dad's Chapter of the Leukemia Research Foundation. If you go to Facebook, uh, it is Rockin' LRF, and you can get your tickets there. It's uh, $25 for one, a group of 10. You can get uh, for 20 bucks a piece. It's a great thing for a party. It's a great thing, uh, you know, if your company wants to do something to help out. This is the place to come. It is going to be another fun, fun night at Dirty Nellie's, which is in Palatine, right near the train station. So if you don't want to drive, it you, is get, right there. you get off the train Damn, and we... steps away. And we want to say thank you to our corporate sponsor this year, Mutual of Omaha Mortgage, and Sam Price, who is very generous. And so we have we have them to thank as well as uh, if anybody would like to be a corporate sponsor, uh, please get a hold of us through the Leukemia Research Foundation. We would welcome you. And their website is allbloodcancers.org. So go to Facebook. Oh, and by the, by the yes, way, we yes. have uh, we have a from the. Anthony Rizzo Foundation. We have a an autograph picture of Anthony Rizzo. The Cubs sent us an autograph picture of Javi Baez. We have an autograph football from Chuck Pagano, who is himself a blood cancer survivor. Nice. And so it's a beautiful Bears football with Chuck Pagano's signature on it. And we have some tickets from the White Sox. And so 
Plenty of stuff. Plenty of stuff, and you'll have a good time, and you'll know that your money is going to a great cause. So I want to see everybody out there. Tuesday, November 19th, from 7 to 10 p.m., Dirty Nellies uh, in Palatine. 25 bucks a ticket, 20 for groups of 10 or more. Then you get there, you buy your wingspan of uh, raffle tickets, and you uh, put them in for some great, great prizes. You bid on some silent auction items, and you listen to Modern Day Romeos. It will be a wonderful time. I want to see everybody there. Go to Rockin' LRF on Facebook to get your tickets right now. Andy, always a pleasure. I will see you on the 19th. See you in a couple of weeks, sir. Thank you again. We can't thank you enough for all you do for us. It is my pleasure. I will talk to you soon. Take care, Brian. Take Thanks easy. again. You are very welcome. Again, that's Rockin' LRF uh, on Facebook to get your tickets for Rockin' for a Cure. All right, let's do this. Then we got a few more minutes, and it's, uh, it's Blackhawks Hockey Time on 720 WGN. All right, Brian Noonan, uh, we're here for a few more minutes, and then it is Blackhawks hockey on WGN. We love when uh, the Blackhawks are back in season. Hopefully they will uh, return to their winning ways. We'll, uh, we'll see. You know, It's, uh, it's always, uh, always fun to see. Roger Badish has wandered in. We haven't seen Roger in um, six or seven months. Is that correct? A couple of millennium. We haven't seen, yes. Yeah. Uh, Washington Capitals <laughs> in town tonight to play the Blackhawks, by the yeah. way. Um, yeah, it's been a while. How, how Everything all right? You everything's, doing okay? Uh, everything's uh, hunky-dory. Jim Dandy, now you're here all night. You get to listen to the Hawks game. That's fun. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And then yeah. uh, Rick Hogan will be in. And, yeah. and I am special guest co-host. Of the, I heard uh, this. I wonder yeah. how does this happen that you are co-hosting the old timey radio show? What do they call it? The uh, uh, WGN Radio Theater. Oh, is that okay? Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. I just never know the name of it. Yeah, that's I know okay. it's uh, you know Carl and Lisa hosting. Yeah. Well, and, Carl's and they, out of town. That's and that's yeah. how. How did you then weasel your way into being the co-host? I didn't. I uh, for one time I didn't try to. Uh, they just said, "Hey, would you like to do it?" Really? Now Dave Plyer filled in last night. Oh, Saturday did he night. really? Yeah, I right before Dave his Plyer, show, so oh, he, he pulled a double shift. Is that right? Look at that! It's like breaking rocks. I'm yeah, surprised. <laughs> that, surprised he's not exhausted. That's horrifying. <laughs> so play the and and I always joke they play, but they do play the old timey radio. Yeah, shows. and it's it's great stuff. So we got some, so this uh, was right up your alley. You didn't have to do a lot of prep work for this, no, am I right? You no. were you were ready to go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, because I, a lot of these shows, believe it or not, actually aired after I was born. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, I'm there, aware of many. Let's of also them. be honest: there wasn't radio before you were born. That's true. So that was uh, you <laughs> I know, had to wait I, for him to right, invent that. You had that. to wait, and once Marconi uh, figured out the medium, then you were oh, yeah, old-timey right, radio so. shows. That's going to be fantastic. <laughs> so, what will you be? What will you be showcasing this evening? Well, we actually have an episode of Father Knows Best. Uh, yeah, I noticed the. Is that Danny uh, we Thomas? cannot see outside anymore. This has changed. If you are along the lake, I wonder yeah. what's going on at Soldier Field. If the fog has rolled in on the uh, on Wasn't the Bears there game, a fog bowl. There was the once. There was a fo- yeah. There was a fog bowl game. Yeah. Um, that was a Halloween night. This is pretty darn it's pretty close. close. Look at that. Um, but yes, it is. Wow, we'll have to see. Yeah. So anyway, Father's knows. Is this Father Danny Thomas? Best. Father no, knows best. No, it's not. It's Robert Young. Robert Young, who also well, he was on the, the TV, right? Oh wait, and what was da- Oh, make room for Daddy was Danny Thomas. Yes. is that correct? Yeah. All oh, the Daddy show. I have Daddy <laughs> issues. I have issues with Daddy <laughs> I shows. I have <laughs> issues with my own Daddy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so go ahead. what? We're not going to do that. I'm a, show. I'm a Daddy who has caused issues. Oh, so we've heard, but we won't get into that either. I do not reveal my sources. Um, so Father Knows Best, but we're doing, like, Halloween-related old-time oh, radio shows. All right. So this is a mysterious 
episode Ooh. of Father Knows Best. Really? Yeah. So you're, you're uh, are you, uh, do you not, do we not know if he actually knows best? Is that, uh, is that the mystery? I think that might be the case. I think Father, it's called into question Father on this episode. might know best. He, yeah. there may not be. <laughs> he may not know. All right, so you're going to play that. What else are you going to play? Uh, let me double check because I've got uh, uh, I've got the uh, rundown as we say. Well, you got the about business. thirty seconds to get to it. Yeah, well, that's not going to happen, is it? All right. Um, well, listen. Take, oh, here, find it. We'll do this. Find okay. it, and we'll tell you, we'll have a few seconds when we come back before we go to the Blackhawks broadcast. All right. So f- take a minute, find it, and then we'll uh, we'll figure it out. We'll tease it, as they tease say. Tease it. Hey, before we get out of here and Blackhawks hockey starts, uh, we were talking about beer before. I have a prize. Yes, because we haven't been here in a long time. I have a prize. I have a pair of tickets to Silver Creek Rockin' Brew Fest. It's Saturday, October 27th from 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Why Eastern? It's because it's at the Four Winds Casino in New Buffalo. Over 20 local breweries, live music from Elton John and Tom Petty tribute bands. I was going to say, wow, that's that's going to be big. It's going to be hard. Tom Petty uh, unfortunately passed away. But Elton John and Tom Petty tribute bands, you can get tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Rockin' Brew Fest, October 27th at Four Winds Casino in New Buffalo. I have a pair of tickets for... Callers 5 and caller 6 at 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. You will get a pair of tickets to Silver Creek Rock and Brew Fest Saturday, October 27th at Four Winds Casino, New Buffalo. If you don't win, go to Ticketmaster.com, Rock and Brew Fest. Uh, there you go. That'll be a lot of fun. So callers 5 and caller 6 will be going. Did you find out what the shows you're Yes, you're I did. Doing? Other than quickly. Father Knows Best, quickly, we you got have about an 30 episode seconds. of Escape. And this one is starring William Conrad. Oh, yeah. Cannon. Yep. Yep. All right. So it's going to be pretty good. Uh, good We'll be on at 11 till 1. And uh, hope everyone can stay with us. Well, sure. They're here now. They're going to be listening to the uh, the Blackhawks take on the Washington mm-hmm. Capitals, then Rick Kogan, mm-hmm. and then uh, Old Timey Radio Theater. You got it WGN with an old timey guy. Theater, with an old timey guy. <laughs> Thank you for listening and being part of the program. Uh, we are not back next week, but I will be here Wednesday night uh, from 10 until 1. I hope you can join us then. And I'll be back on November 1st, that Friday. So uh, thank you, Cody. Thanks to all our great guests today. Uh, don't forget, you can always find our podcast at WGNRadio.com. It is 5.30, and that means it's time for Blackhawks Hockey on 720 WGN.